This is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast, hosted by Roman Prokopchuk, bringing you all things digital marketing, tech, business, and motivation. What's stopping you from becoming relentless in all aspects of life? Are you ready to become a digital savage? Let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, this is Roman Prokopchuk and this is the Digital Savage Experience Podcast. Today I have with me Peter Montoya. Peter is a successful entrepreneur, best-selling author, and speaker. He was able to lead his company, Marketing Pro, from a three-person startup to a multi-million dollar exit. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, Roman, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm glad you uh, were able to jump on today. So tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to where you are today? Oh, God, good question. I, I went to college thinking that I wanted to be a politician. So I got a degree in political science. But when I graduated, realized I did not have the ambition or sex drive for politics. So with a political science degree, you only have a couple of choices. You can become a bartender. Uh, you can go into to law school or sales. And I just didn't have the uh, knowledge and abilities for, for law school. So I went to sales. Uh, I went to work for the biggest motivational speaker in the world back in 1990. And that was what's called a, a FSR or a frontman. So my job was to go in advance of him, uh, two months in advance, and sell tickets to his one-day motivational sales rally. Uh, I did that for five years, and then I, you know, at the wise age of 28, I, I realized I knew it all, and I was ready to go in business for myself. So I started an advertising agency specializing in financial advisors. Uh, I wrote my first book called The Brand Called You. Uh, and I specialized in personal branding. It was kind of the, the, the I was a front runner um, in that field back in '98 and '99. Um, I really found that that business was tough. I did you know 2,000 keynote presentations on the brand called You. Uh, I created you know thousands upon thousands of custom branding pieces for financial advisors. And the business model was brutal in that I was constantly having to eat what I hunted. It was a hunt to eat, a hunt to eat model, and it was just brutal. I had to raise sell. I had to sell two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a month just to keep the lights on, and at five thousand dollars a piece, I was, you know, a sales machine. Uh, but it was just, you know, sucking the life out of me. So in two thousand six, I realized that I wanted a recurring revenue model. Uh, so I started a, a, an automated marketing company called Marketing Pro, where we created um, marketing content, you know, financial articles, uh, newsletters, anything that a financial planner might send to their clients. We created it. We created a system which got compliance approval, and then I built a subscription model uh, at first for $10 a month, and then I raised prices to eventually $25 and then $50 a month, and I was able to sell that company, Marketing Pro, in uh, 2018. Uh, and now I'm really pursuing my first passion, my, uh, my you know, forever passion, uh, which is leadership development. Yeah, that's awesome. I think in terms of moving to a uh, reoccurring revenue model, I think that's important for a lot of businesses and adds that value kind of pre-sale as well. So what are some of the things that obviously you started with the three-person company? What are some of the things you kind of struggled with in terms of scaling? Obviously, some of those are reoccurring from company to company. But what do you think was kind of like the major obstacle you had to overcome in terms of scaling and then obviously finally selling the company? Yeah, I think I, you know, I really defied the odds uh, in that I was going into that business of a software business um, with over a million dollars in debt. 
So I was trying to service the debt while finishing up my advertising clients and then starting a software business. And I had no software experience. So the reason I got lucky is that I already had a really good name in the financial servicing industry. I decided to niche my product. That was probably one of the smartest things that I did, although I didn't know I was doing it. So the more competition you have, the more specialized you have to be. So if I had tried to be a marketing automation platform for everybody, I would have gotten slaughtered. I would never have left the gates. But since I was smart enough to just go with my niche, I was able to build enough momentum. So the problem with you know the recurring revenue model is all about velocity. It takes two years or three years once you hit the marketplace to have enough revenue uh, that it's recurring enough to pay for itself. Um, so starting in a niche, starting where I already knew, I, I also the big thing is I knew what the problem was in the marketplace and I solved it. So I started very simple and narrow, and that was my saving grace. Yeah, and I think it's important to kind of highlight a lot of companies start and try to be everything for everyone. So if they don't drill down, if you're everything for everyone, you're going to com- compete with everyone in that space. So figuring out, like you said, what your niche is, is very important early on to kind of establish who you are, your identity, and then eventually, obviously, scale a company. Exactly right. I mean, so Salesforce, you look at it, it was the first online CRM and it was very, very broad, but they could do that. Why? They were first in the marketplace and they had tons and tons of money behind them. So if you want to be able to build a CRM for all small businesses right now, you would have a very uphill battle. If I was trying to build a CRM or a marketing product, I once again would pick a niche out in the marketplace. Yeah, I agree. So what motivates you to succeed? Obviously, those motivations may have changed over the years, but what kind of currently motivates you to succeed? So, you know, I I was, I'm a a baby boomer. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm a a Gen Xer, excuse me. I was born in 68. I'm 51 years old now. And I was very much raised uh, in with the the morality of personal enrichment. I, I really believe that the road to happiness was having, you know, a nice house, nice cars, having good friends and having kind of this picture of a good life. I mean, I lived down in Orange County and I've been to Newport Beach a bunch. And that's what I thought success and happiness was. And what I've realized is I had it completely wrong. The millennials have it much more right uh, and that we want to live a purpose driven life. Um, And so I was really focused only on making a lot of money. That was my only focus Um, and uh, success at any cost. Uh, and now I really want to have impact is much more important to me uh, than making money. And the truth is doing good is good business. So my why now, why I get up in the morning is I want to help continue leading businesses to uh, find their intrinsic motivation, uh, empower their people so their people bring all of their passion, innovation to help grow the business, to make a positive impact in the world. I really think that the governments of the world are failing us right now and not doing nearly enough to protect human beings and human life and the environment. And so I think that small businesses really play a role in making a positive impact. So my job is to help business leaders uh, be profitable and also have be an impact driven business. Yeah, I agree. I am a millennial. I actually just turned 36 this uh, this week. But uh, I think it's just the mindset, I think, regardless of what your age, because I think in my 20s, I was chasing titles, you know, building companies, uh, the the revenue itself, the money, material things. And I think from 29 to 30, I had a shift in terms of, uh, you know, thought process in terms of being a more, you know, heart led entrepreneur and basically focusing on adding value and leaving a legacy over things that, 
you know, eventually will kind of dissipate because I know in terms of what my skills are, what my capabilities are. So I know if, you know, tomorrow maybe I lost everything in terms of material things, I, I have the confidence in myself to get that back. But in terms of adding value, giving back to people, I think it's important to kind of build people up around you and, you know, leave an imprint for others. Oh, I think so, too. So, you know, 20 years ago, there was a great book by Michael Gerber called The E-Myth. And the central notion of that book was don't work in the business, work on the business. That was kind of his central thesis, which I really agree with at the time. And now my belief, my central notion is the following, is the greatest reward for a business owner is to turn your business into a leadership development business where your job is to convert your people from being employees to actually being contributors and co-creators in the business. And now it's not just you working in the business, it's everyone is working on the business and you are no longer alone. So it's really important to have what I call the golden star uh, lined in there so people know what the impact your business is. That means your mission, your vision, your purpose, your values, and also what I call your meta value. And if your people are not tied into that and don't believe in what you're doing is actually helping them and helping the world, uh, you're only going to get the minimum out of them. So that's kind of the key shift that I'm helping businesses make these days. Yeah, I agree. And I think having that vested interest and I think uh, employees are kind of the capital in most companies in terms of knowledge and what they put into the company. And I think they're the biggest people that can be advocates and really promote the company. There's a lot of companies out there in terms of having a social advocacy program where the employees themselves are ambassadors of the company and help in obviously building the company building, uh, you know, visibility for the company in the market through social media and other means, and really helping in terms of where the company takes their next steps. Uh, Totally and completely agree. So that's why we really advocate for businesses these days is their outward mission, their external mission is whatever their product and services with the marketplace, but their internal mission is that is they are a leadership development organization. Um, And when they convert themselves that way, they will actually find more meaning and more purpose in seeing their people grow. And their business is just a vehicle for growth of their people. (laughs) And it really is a wonderful transformation to see. Yeah, I agree. That's That's the path to go now and into the future. So what's one thing you may have seen as a weakness in yourself in the past that you've turned around and utilized as a strength today? Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's in a lot of ways true. My uh, biggest weakness is also my biggest strength. And that uh, I have ADHD uh, coupled with what's called ODD. ADHD, everyone knows, is uh, attention, hyperactivity, attention disorder. Uh, and then ODD, not everyone knows, ODD is oppositional defiance disorder, uh, which means that more or less I rebel against authority. I've had to really kind of corral both those things. I had the hardest time in school. I mean, I honestly don't know how I graduated college, let alone high school. Terrible student. I, I like to think of myself as a reasonably intelligent person. Uh, but my, what happened was as soon as I got into the workforce, uh, I went from having being a person who could barely study, barely stay focused. And as soon as I got in the workforce and I actually was able to see these short-term rewards for everything I was doing, uh, I got fully harnessed and I was able to work. 12 hours a day, put my head down and get a bunch of work done. So it's a huge superpower. And the problem with ADHD is that when you're uninterested, you have no focus. <laughs> so <laughs> as long as it has my focus, you get me 125% of me. And when it doesn't have my focus, I have no interest whatsoever. 
So I've really learned to use that to make sure I'm passionate about what I'm doing, driving my business forward. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, my wife and I are foster parents. And since June of 2018, we've had uh, 20 kids during this COVID stay at home thing. We, yeah, we've had four boys under the age of six and he had ADHD and ODD. So it was uh, interesting getting you know him in and really channeling that aggression and that defines into something positive. And it's interesting that obviously you had that and you were able to channel it in a positive direction. Oh, Roman, man, I thank you so much for your contribution to the world on that. I, I can only imagine the nights you had, you and your wife had, of absolutely pulling your hair out when you're asking him to, you know, brush his teeth and he says no. You ask him to have dinner, he says no. You know, no matter what you ask him to do, they uh, rebel against everything. Uh, if you need somebody else to talk to him who's not you and uh, who's actually succeeded, please let me know. I'd love to have a conversation with him. I like give him a little insight for someone who survived through that. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's sad seeing the stories that we get, the kids that come from abuse and neglect, and it's coupled with him being physically abused, him seeing abuse. So a lot of it is, uh, you know, a generational cycle that hopefully he's able to break with, you know, the positive, you know, influences he has in his life or currently in his life. Yeah. And to me, uh, you know, I really think that the best synonym for parenting, believe it or not, is leadership development. So parenting is to develop children to become independent, responsible, emotional, healthy, and happy adults. And that is a leadership process. <laughs> no, it definitely is. It's kind of one of the uh, hardest things, especially we get a child, we get limited facts about them. A lot of the time they're just removed from that, you know, toxic situation of ab abuse and neglect. And you really have to figure out what makes a child tick how to kind of comfort them, how to get them back to some kind of normalcy in terms of feeling safe, and then putting down ground rules in terms of different guidelines, rules for the home. And I think structure and a schedule is really important when children don't have you know, any normalcy or chaos in their life. So knowing when they're eating, uh, a lot of them don't eat a you know, meal or you know, have dinner or breakfast or lunch consistently. So knowing that they wake up and at nine they have breakfast, at two they have lunch, at six they have uh, dinner, really goes a long way because it kind of comforts them and they know it's coming. So I think having structure, schedules, and things like that really helps in that process as well. Uh, I, I, could, I couldn't agree more. And I noticed the same thing uh, with my son who has ODD. And the funny thing is we create these structures for them. They rebel against the structure. <laughs> they don't want it. And at the end, once they kind of uh, acquiesce to it, it's actually really good for them. So it's kind of a funny thing that they don't want it, but it's what they need. Yeah, I agree. So what's one piece of advice you can leave with the audience, personal or professional? Oh, wow. You know, to me, well, I'll, tell you what, I'll start with this. I really believe there are no business problems. There are only personal problems that manifest themselves in business. So a lot of times we like to think that we are robots and that we compartmentalize our personal lives and our emotions away from the business, and that is not true. So 99.99% of the time when I'm working with business leaders, uh, we go and delve into something personal because those personal issues will affect their decision-making ability. Whenever we have unresolved anger, resentment, self-loathing, guilt, and shame, that will manifest itself in our decision-making abilities. 
It creates anxiety, depression, and tension, and it makes having candid conversations with our coworkers or even receiving feedback nearly impossible. So I guess my advice is to realize that you are a whole human and there is no separating your personal life from your business life and just being a professional. You bring the personal along with it. Uh, and any of those unresolved issues, uh, you got to tackle them, bro. <laughs> there, there is no hiding. Uh, there's no hiding uh, from that. No compartmentalizing. There's no suppression. Uh, it will all eventually manifest itself in your business. Yeah, I agree. And I think taking care of those problems first, I actually had, I believe like 30 or 40 episodes ago, a behavioral specialist that works with fortune companies. So they make impactful decisions with taking emotion out of the decision. So they're not swayed by external factors. So like the decision is purely made on facts and, and hopefully will be the right decision in terms of where the company is going. Because a lot of the time, like you said, you're taking personal things, uh, emotions into the situation, and you may not have a clear mind in terms of making a business decision in that sense. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, I mean, so what, you know, I, I, I talk about integrity, and I hate to say I teach integrity. Um, and the reason I say I talk about integrity is I aspire to be a more integrous person like everybody else, and it's a struggle for me like anybody else. Uh, and there's actually four pillars of integrity. And the first two you probably know. Uh, number one is honest. And the biggest problem with honesty for most people is that we oftentimes kind of delude ourselves. We soften a lot of the things that are going on with us. Second problem is keep, second pillar is keeping agreements. Um, third is being of high character, which means doing the right thing, making sure it's a win-win scenario with everyone you deal with. And number four is uh, that of being whole. And that of being whole means that we're constantly tending to our own gardens and we're constantly weeding out unresolved issues on a regular basis. Bottom line, and we all had this experience before, is that hurt people will hurt other people. So the more damage you have inside you that you're carrying around, you will lash out and hurt other people in various ways. So, so it, no matter how um, together we think we've got it, uh, all of us uh, have some gardening to do and some weed tending to pull out on a regular basis. It's just part of the human experience. Uh, so it's a critical part, I think, uh, of the integrity model. Yeah, I agree. And it's like one of those things like uh, compound and interest. So that stuff that you build in keeps growing and growing and building. Eventually, it has to find an outlet and usually it explodes and then negatively impacts usually the people closest around you, your friends, your family, your loved ones. That's exactly right. Uh, I'm going to steal that metaphor from you, Roman, about the compound interest. I'm going to take that and I'm going to forget that you told it to me. So uh, Forgive me. <laughs> I'm giving you credit now, but I'm, I'm going to forget it later. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I was talking with a special forces operator and I was asking him, you know, how do you, you know, compartmentalize the violence? You know, how do you, you know, put that away so you can do your job? And he says, there is no such thing as compartmentalization. There's only uh, repression, suppression, and then an eventual explosion. It all eventually comes back out again. Yeah, I agree. So I really appreciate you coming on today. Can you let the audience know how they can find you or anything else you have going on? Yeah. So um, I work with business leaders uh, to help them instill a leadership development culture into their organizations. We work both on a personal level and also an organization level to make sure everyone is actually working in tandem together, rowing the same way. Uh, you can find me super easy. It's just petermontoya.com, petermontoya.com. And I have a program called the High Performance Organization where I coach business leaders 
that turn their business from a managed business to a empowered business. And we want to make sure everyone in the organization is thinking like a business owner versus thinking like uh, some kind of role player, which I completely and totally detest. PeterMontoya.com. Awesome. Thanks again for stopping by. Robin, it was so much fun. Thanks for having me. And once again, thank you for all the work you're doing on fostering kids. That's a huge gift to our community. Thank you. I appreciate it. This podcast has been brought to you by Nova Zora Digital. Find out how Nova Zora Digital can help your company grow online. Learn more at NovaZoraDigital.com. Until next time, all you digital savages.